Welcome back. This is Talking Picture Talk. This is episode five, which is a a huge, huge milestone. It really in, is. In podcasting. It really is. We made it to number five. Took a little break there. Um, I don't know. When was the last time we recorded? Like three weeks ago or something? I can actually tell you. It was. Oh, wait, never mind. I can't. <laughs> I won't let it happen again. New episode every other day. Yeah. From right. here on out. Yep. Not true. Um, tonight... We are going to look at the work of a pretty solid comedic director, Judd Apatow. Um, should we get right into his film films? Yeah, plural, yeah. Let's that he directed. Let, let's yeah. Let's. Well, you know what? It's funny. I, um, obviously, you know when this comes out, it'll be, it, it already is kind of old news. But recently to now, uh, Stan Lee died. Yeah. Um, the, the comic book guy, um, you see what Bill Maher said, by the way? No. <laughs> he was like, like <laughs> the guy's body's not even cold yet. And Bill Maher <laughs> says that Stanley is partially responsible for dumbing down generations of kids. So those are the kids that grow up to elect Donald Trump president. <laughs> like, what? It's just like, why? Why do you have to take that, that shot? But anyway, What's um, that guy's deal? I'm going to tie this into, to, I don't know. He, he's. I, I don't know. I can't watch that show. I just, and it's not even, I think he's like fair politically. He's just annoying. He's just such an annoying guy. Um, I mean, there's a reason maybe that show makes a billion dollars, but I don't think it does. And there's a reason he's not in any movies. He has to like make his own weird documentaries. No, I don't think anyone likes him. Did you see Religious? No, that's one he made, right? Right. Yeah. No, did you say it? No. No. I kind of remember when it came out there. Me I too. The, I know. I remember seeing that box in yeah. like, uh, I guess it was a blockbuster. It was definitely one of the, Last remaining like video rental stores. I it's remember just seeing his that face box. and it's a cloud. Mm-hmm. It's the cover art. Yeah. saw that sounds good. Uh, but anyway, um, so after Stanley died, one of the, one of the people that that really eulogized them was Kevin Smith about forty different times. I did read that. Yeah. And uh, one thing that, that Kevin Smith said on on one of his many podcasts was, uh, and Kevin Smith knew Stanley very well, dating back to when Kevin Smith did Mallrats and Stanley like agreed to be in the movie. And he was shocked. But what Kevin Smith came to realize was Stanley really liked being a celebrity. And he, he had no no issues about it. He like really enjoyed being being a celebrity. His wife died, and two days later, he was out at like the Chinese theater putting his handprints in the cement, like one Jeez. of those things. So, yeah. you know, he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna like let people down. He really enjoyed it. And I think that's Judd Apatow. Now that I think about it, I think Judd Apatow likes being a celebrity more than being a director because he does everything. I mean, I'm looking yeah. on my on my bookshelf. He wrote a book called Sick in the Head, and it's Judd Apatow's interviews. Um, he, he started interviewing comedians for his high school radio station when he was a kid so jerry seinfeld was not jerry seinfeld but he was still a stand-up comedian and right apatow would interview him and he interviewed steve martin all these guys the cover of the book is just a bunch of pictures of judd apatow's face i'm looking at the spine <laughs> of the book i should say um i watch i watch uh, the most recent documentary he did i watched some of it um about gary shandling and judd apatow is making the documentary but he's in every single shot of the movie because he's showing himself asking like, you know, in a documentary, it'll be a lot of talking head, and you won't see the documentarian asking the questions. Yeah. Apatow's just sitting there asking the questions. They're showing both. Um, so I think, and then I watch his stand-up, and it's 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 okay. It's, you know, he, he basically felt that he had the opportunity to do it, wanted to do it, so he did it, and that's great. But the stand-up is a lot of, like, it, it's, it's a lot about how he realizes that he's not that big of a celebrity, but people ask, ask on the street, are you Judd Apatow? And if I say no, then they say, oh, okay, like whatever. <laughs> and it's like, all right, like, like we get it, Judd Apatow. People, people know who you are. But I think what, 
what he does best is not be a celebrity and, and is behind the camera. And is, we're going to get through everything he's done. Name a comedy in the last 15 years, and he's produced it. Like, for sure. He probably wrote it, or at least came up with a story. And then a lot of them he directed. So, um, when we go through his his filmography, there, it's so vast. And, and we're going to, I guess, pick and choose from uh, the stuff he directed. Well, well, I mean, there's five movies he features he directed, four which he wrote and directed. He's produced over 40, I think. Uh, and he's written probably 20. So, um, And then television shows, documentaries, uh, his book. He's he's really all over the place. Um, I don't think I really like him as a person, <laughs> the more I think about it. But I, <laughs> I do, I, way, I do yeah. respect that. Uh, I do respect anyone that has that kind of work ethic and yeah, absolutely. and is successful across a lot of different different mediums. So Crazy. Uh so I guess we'll go through his his directed films first. Yeah. So I mean like my movie watching my history with movie watching I think is split up into two parts. Like I was young and I would just watch a movie and I would like it or I wouldn't like it and that would be end of story. Mm-hmm. And then I mean probably when I started hanging out with like UND, I would we would watch a movie and then I would IMDB it and look at like the yeah. director's other works right so then i started to like you know like label like this is a judd apatow movie this is a wes anderson mm-hmm. movie they have their own distinct like style of filming yep you know you can just tell um so it's funny i think four year 40 year old virgin was like in the first half of my w- movie watching yeah history yeah. like i would watch it loved it but like wasn't thinking about who the director was yeah yeah then, i mean he was basically unknown at that time, unless you right. were, I mean, a lot of the stuff he did was pre, pre, I mean, I guess when he came up, it was pre-internet, I guess Freaks and Geeks was in the, was that in the 90s, or was that, no, nah, that's probably uh, around the time of the internet, but I don't think, I don't think it was maybe as accessible as to find stuff out about the guy, so, um, yeah, I mean, he was definitely unknown to me when the 40-year-old 40 virgin came out. Right, and then he follows it up with Knocked Up. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, like for the promotion, like the promotion was like the guy that brought you four-year-old virgin. Oh, for sure. So then from there, you know, I looked him up and I was like, okay, Judd Apatow, Mm -hmm. here we go. Yeah. And then (laughs) you can really see a lot of that. So like, I couldn't like wait for what he was going to do next after that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely was, was one of those guys for me. Um, and I, I still, I think that we're going to, we're going to work kind of in reverse order, at least for the movie C directed. And I said, I, I think knocked up is his best movie and we'll get to that but knocked up in the 40 year old virgin are, are really close for me funny people's in there this is 40 and train wreck i'm not crazy about so i think that as he started branching off and doing a lot more things the quality of his directed future films went down a little bit but we can start with with train wreck and work our way back to the uh the good stuff um i i i really liked amy schumer her show on Comedy Central inside Amy Schumer, like before I had any idea who she was. I think yeah. she, I think she was on a roast, and she was really funny. I actually first found was out about her. Yeah, I think she's done a couple. I'm trying to remember because who it was. Yeah. I I first found out about her because she was dating Anthony Jeselnik. I'm pretty sure. Oh that's yeah, that's I right. First heard her name. That is that is 100 true. He's a huge roast guy. It's weird that uh, you found out about Amy Schumer through Anthony Jeselnik and I doubt anyone listening to this Look knows who Anthony Jeselnik is. <laughs> yeah. um, but one of my favorite stand-ups for sure. Anyway, uh, so I really liked her show. Um, she got kind of kind of old on me fast. Um, by the time Trainwreck came out, I was already a little bit souring on her, but I, I was excited to see the movie. Amy Schumer writing this movie directed by Judd Apatow with Bill Hader, right. who, who 
I think that if, if you know, people always talk about doing like an all-time cast on SNL, I think Bill Hader would have to be one of those 10 or 12 all-time cast members, like yeah. the Hall of Fame of SNL. Um, so the problem with Trainwreck right off the bat is he's just, he's so mis... I don't want to say he's miscast because he, you know, no, he he's uh, so incredibly miscast in this. It's so above everybody. It, it's just like, well, <laughs> but he doesn't have any funny lines. It's, it's writing, so weird. It's just like they're not using him as a it, like. It, he just plays a straight. He's just the straight guy, right? Like it, it could have been played by Eric Bana. It, it it was ridiculous to have Bill Hader in that role where he's not really making any jokes. Um, so that that kind of threw me off. It's it's a funny enough movie. It. It's just like a John Apatow movie, which is just like a James L. Brooks movie, where it tries to be hilarious and then and then kind of punch you with with some sentimentality. It doesn't necessarily land, um, you know, like like a movie like like Funny People did for me or Knocked Up. Um, but there's some good things, and and the number one good thing is LeBron James is in this movie. That's the like one so, review that I've heard about it. He's like great. <laughs> well, <laughs> I did a little further research because. The, the the running joke for the movie is Le- LeBron James, who's obviously very wealthy, is extremely cheap. And that's like like him and Bill Hader go out to dinner, and LeBron's like, all right, well, you had two Cokes and salmon, so that's going to be $34. And Bill Hader's like, no, you pay. He's like, why should I pay? Just have a little money. He's like, you're LeBron James. Like, pay. Um, so I found out doing a little research that uh, LeBron was on set for about a week, and Chris Rock was there. So Chris Rock came up with the, the idea to give LeBron... Uh, the or the running joke that LeBron's really cheap, and then Chris Rock was feeding LeBron lines, and LeBron was saying those lines verbatim. Okay. So Chris Rock wrote the funny parts of <laughs> Train Wreck. Um, the other thing is, Amy Schumer plays plays a like hold a hold for train. Yeah, hold for the train. We got, except we got a, time this except thing. the sponsors this podcast. That's, now that's, we have that to have the train barreling through it's it. It's funny though because we're talking about train wreck. Train. Wow, that's weird. It always works out. And then we're gonna hear like the train crash. The ambient. <laughs> yeah, it does always work out. Um, anyway, Amy Schumer's character plays a journalist who is unlucky in love. It's a story you've heard it a thousand times, but I'm not. I'm not like against the same story over and over again. I, I really don't mind it. Um, a journalist. She writes like a magazine, like kind of like an Esquire type magazine or GQ type magazine, and she has no idea who LeBron James is. I would I would certainly argue that the just most people in the world at that time knew I mean LeBron James was more recognizable certainly than Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> I mean he's just Probably. a worldwide absolute and he's in the room with her and she's got no idea who he is. Which just it just doesn't so this is like an educated person who works for like a popular magazine that probably has had LeBron James on the cover ten times, but she has no idea who he is. So that's stupid. So Bill Bill Hader's character <laughs> plays like an orthopedic surgeon who is like a, basically a sports medicine guy, but she doesn't know anything about sports. So I don't know why he has to be like a sports doctor, why LeBron's in it. Thank God Chris Rock's like on the set writing jokes about basketball, but she's got no idea. Um, so it's, it's, it's like a, I don't like, I don't recommend it to anyone to see. Cause it's just, it's not funny enough. It's not like touching enough that the, the stuff that, Judd Apatow, Judd, the story is Judd Apatow heard Amy Schumer talking about her father who has MS on Howard Stern's show and said, oh, this is a movie. So Amy Schumer's character's father is played by Colin Quinn, the standard oh, yeah. comedian. He's pretty good in I it. Like him, yeah. um, and they try to get the emotion out of that. And, and there's one scene that's really good. It's like a, a, a spoiler alert, uh, fast forward 15 seconds. It's a eulogy <laughs> um, that Amy Schumer delivers, which which is really good, really good acting and shows that Amy Schumer has, has some chops. But the rest of the movie kind of, 
kind of falls falls flat. And, and the main reason is there's Bill Hader's just he's not he's not funny in it because there's no room for him to be funny in the movie with Amy Schumer's character. Every funny one line or every joke is is Amy Schumer's delivering it. Bill Hader's kind of just kind of just there playing a straight man, which is an, I mean Bill Hader's a a really charismatic actor and and a really 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 funny guy. Yeah. So when he's in the movie and it's not you're not <laughs> laughing, then you kind of feel like something something's a little off. So. Again, Judd Apatow didn't write Trainwreck. He just directed it yeah. for Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's probably going to do more of that kind of stuff. Um, whoops. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it just seemed to be a little bit, just a little off. I think it could have been a really good movie, but it wasn't. Do you remember what the runtime was? I feel like that's something that's gonna, that I'm going to bring up. I, like I was, yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask you about it. Um, and we'll just get to it. Trainwreck is probably two hours, but okay. do you think his movies are too long? Yes. I think that that's like the num- that's yeah. the number one criticism of his movies, especially John Apatow's movies. The one that really bothered me was Funny People. Yeah, Funny. I, like I mean, that, I felt like that was like an hour longer than it should have been. It's so long. It was. That was such a weird. Yeah, it 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 just wasn't like a cohesive movie at all. And, and we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But but yeah, I think that that's that's the criticism his movies get. But in a way, like a movie like Knocked Up, I I, I think it was two hours and nineteen minutes long. Which is insane for for a comedy like right. that, but but I kind of feel like like there it benefited it, and and I think I mean, I read you know a Rolling Stone review just kind of pre- prepping for this Peter Travers reviewing Knocked Up and he gives it three and a half stars out of four, uh, but he says it's too long. So I don't I don't really understand that. And it was Roger Ebert who always says that no good movie can be too long and no bad movie can be too short. And I, I really do like agree with that. Like I enjoy Knocked Up, I enjoy every minute of that movie, and to say like yeah it's too long, but I'm going to give it three and a half stars doesn't feel feel right if it's too long that means you're probably bored at some point which you knocked up i really wasn't funny people i definitely was yeah this is 40 definitely was um but again i think it goes back to judd apatow really likes judd apatow so everything judd apatow writes is getting in that movie he's not cutting he's not cutting judd apatow jokes out because he loves judd apatow so much I, I i don't know why they need to be so long otherwise but anyway right. let's talk this is 40 uh you, you saw this for you, right? I did not. <laughs> All right. He's made five movies. <laughs> yeah, stop after funny people. Um. All right. Because I, so, I, I don't know. I heard they weren't great, so I didn't give them a chance. Well, my, my this is forty is a continuation of the characters from Knocked Up. Right. Uh, I saw. Like, I feel like I saw bits and pieces on like HBO. You probably like, I know he gets yeah. like doesn't he get like hit by a car on his bike he's like freaking out. Yeah, that's like at the end of the right. end of the movie. Um it's the characters just aren't interesting enough to carry an entire movie. Um that that's a number one issue. Uh so like Seth Rogen's character, Catherine Heigel's character are kind of mentioned but they're not in the movie. That may have been a little bit more interesting to kind of see where those characters were. But instead he focuses on this one family and again his daughters are, are are basically the third and fourth star of the movie, Maud and Iris Apatow. And the little one, I think, is Iris. I think she's a good actress, and I think she's funny. Yeah, Maud's horrible. Just, just she's just such an atrocious, atrociously bad actress. It's, it's really. It, and I'm being serious. You don't have to like Kevin Smith. Always puts his wife in movies, and she can't act. Like you don't need to do this. It's so it's it, it takes people out of it like in a big way. Yeah. And that's how I feel about this. And if they're going to be such key parts in the movie, typically when you get a child actor, everyone just marvels at how good they are. These kids are like, especially the older one, it's just it's just bad. Like, she's just bad. And it, and it really takes away from the movie because they're such key parts. Um, 
And then you get into like their relationship with their parents, played by John Lithgow and Albert Brooks. And now Judd Apatow is just bringing people in that he likes. And there's not a lot of meat on the bone for Albert Albert Brooks or John Lithgow, but they kind of make it work. Um, and and I guess it's Judd Apatow. And when we get into really funny people, I think that he's always compared to James L. Brooks, and, and rightfully so. James L. Brooks is a big influence on him. And and he talked about like you can you can look at uh, you know it, well. Anyone could look at a Wes Anderson movie that that's seen two Wes Anderson movies and know it's that's a very unique, unique style. You could do the same with a Spike Lee movie or a Martin Scorsese movie who we talked about a couple episodes ago. And it's it's interesting you you mentioned Judd Apatow in there. You can tell it's a Judd Apatow movie because I agree with that in the sense that it's like he's really good. He's really good working in like big houses and light yeah. pouring through the windows and everything's like, uh, you know, American and and white and mm-hmm. clean and everything's just so like you can just tell like that's his life like this could be this guy's house and this could be because it's just paul rudd right. doesn't they're having money issues but they have this really nice lifestyle um and even like even in his movies where it's like knocked up and the guys are just in like kind of a whatever like a they're just roommates mm-hmm. those houses don't really exist like we we lived together and it was just like a single family home but it right. wasn't cool like that it wasn't there was no pool and <laughs> and and you know, ping pong cables in the driveway and all this cool stuff. Like yeah. it, it just wasn't like that. The furniture wasn't that cool. The posters weren't that cool. The, the stuff everywhere is not that cool. Right. Like everything's very cool. Everything has its a really unique style, but that's definitely, you can tell it's a Judd Apatow movie when you're watching it Yeah. from that, just kind of that aesthetic alone, much like Wes Anderson, but just in a, a much different way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of the one thing. This is 40s, like an average movie. It, it has a couple laughs. It, it runs way too long. Uh, <laughs> It, it resolves itself in the last like three minutes, which is just, it's way too convenient. It's just too perfect. Um, I don't necessarily get, I, I don't know. I'm not 40. Maybe when I'm 40 and I watch it, I'm going to be like, Oh my God, that's, that's head on. But I, <laughs> I just, is 40. I just don't, <laughs> the, the best part of this is 40 was at the Oscars when, uh, Seth MacFarlane was hosting that year. And he said, um, he said like a is nominated for, for best foreign language film, or as I call it, this is 90. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny joke. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think the biggest issue with this is 40 is he just focuses so much on his wife and two daughters right. because he obviously loves them very much and he thinks they're talented, but they're not. And it just, it takes away from the story. It could have been worked in a different way, I think, which w- would have made it a lot more interesting, shorter, and, and maybe focus more on their relationships with like the, Paul Rudd's relationship with his father, Albert Brooks, not to give too much away, is kind of like Albert Brooks is always hitting him up for money. He's kind of like a deadbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has like young kids of his own, a young wife. And and that could have, there's probably more there than than um, we saw, which would have been interesting. The same with John Lithgow. I think he's a good, a really good actor, actually. Um, and I think that he could have been a lot funnier if he had had some more um, more opportunities in that movie. Um, but but I think he just focused on the wrong, the wrong side of the story, which was the family the immediate family with, with his daughters because he loves him some Judd Apatow again. Right. Right. All right. So that, uh, <laughs> now, now, now we're into your wheelhouse. <laughs> so the last Judd Apatow movie you saw was funny. People. So this movie really was my wheelhouse because I mean, my first like introduction into comedy movies and comedic acting was Adam Sandler, um, Billy Madison and, uh, happy Gilmore. So to have him, star in a movie with Seth Rogen, who was then like the predecessor to him for me Mm -hmm. with, you know, knocked up and with 40 year old virgin, whatnot, super bad, all that. Um, 
I was so hyped for this movie. I thought it was going to be incredible. And it, it was really good. But like I said, there's some pieces in here that I think just drag. They just drag on way too long. Mm-hmm. This movie, I guess, it's like... It's a caricature of Adam Sandler's actual life, in a way. Um, it starts yeah. off like a montage of his career, starting off as like a young stand-up. And they show like actual clips of him as a young stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, slowly but surely... He's making all these movies kind of to make them, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, they're like and they're really fake, they're far-fetched fake t- yeah. movies, but kind of stuff you could see Adam Sandler Right, and, and for that yeah. part, they come up with like fake titles and right. whatnot. Um, and then I get, he meets Seth Rogen's character, who's mm-hmm. like him, like he was a young up-and-coming stand-up. Right. Um, hire Seth Rogen to write jokes for him, and then hilarity ensues <laughs> yeah uh, well yeah first he finds out he's dying right <laughs> and hilarity. then hilarity ensues. um so yeah what he so he I, gets diagnosed with something that like is incurable he's adam sandler's character uh, yeah i guess he's he's a version of adam sandler he's a hugely hugely famous movie star for just terrible movies um weird you know dumb comedies that seem to be you know that I guess people like, but they're just dumb Adam Sandler type comedies. Um, He's wealthy again, the huge house, the the natural light pouring in the swimming pool. Judd Apatow's really good at at directing that. And same, so is James L. Brooks. I mean, it it almost looks like as good as it gets in in the sense of like the Greg Kinnear art studio and the great apartment for Jack Nicholson and all that stuff. It, It feels very similar. Again, Seth Rogen lives with two roommates, Jonah Hill and Jason Schwartzman. Their apartment's like super cool in in New York. But, um, so Sandler's character finds out that he has some very, very strange disease uh, and he kind of reevaluates his life and he wants to go back to his roots, I guess. Th- there's no real explanation. He doesn't need to, There's. They could have made a movie about a really successful movie star who's just like, what am I doing with my life? Who wasn't sick. He doesn't need to be sick. Uh, that's the part I... I read somewhere that that one of the focal points of the movie, I guess, because he is sick, is that he doesn't have a support group. And he's looking for like a, a support group to, to kind of help him get through the sickness, and he ends up finding Seth Rogen. Yeah, and that kind of makes sense. But I think in the same token, it could have been like you know I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing, and and it would have worked if he wasn't sick. The way the movie unfolds and ends, because spoiler alert, he gets better. Um, but the other thread in the movie is he was in love with a woman who he cheated on. And has never really gotten over it. Now she's married to Eric Bana for God knows what reason. The there woman was, played there by Leslie Mann. Played by Leslie, of course. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like in um, and you ever watch that show Life's Too Short with uh, yeah. Warwick Davis? The, yep. the scene where um, Johnny Depp is like he's he's me, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant are like characters in the show playing themselves. Johnny Depp is pissed at Rich, Richard Rich, Ricky Gervais for the stuff he said about him at whatever the award show was. Uh, so he goes in and John Depp saying like, well, I have to leave now because I'm doing a, I'm doing a Tim Burton movie. And guess who the female lead is? And Ricky Gervais is like, Helena Bottom Carter. And Johnny Depp's like, how do you know that? He's like, lucky guess. <laughs> well, that's the same. John Depp thought just puts, right. her, puts her in everything. True, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so the first half of the movie is Sandler's character and Seth Rogen's character, who's now writing jokes for him, just kind of helping just each other out. Building the relationship. Yeah, huh? going on the road, all this stuff. And then at, there's just some point. It doesn't. It's not cohesive at all because the second half of the movie is him like in Leslie Mann's house and trying to get her back and yeah. her husband's there. Right, and it's, that's like, awkward. That's the part that I felt should have been cut a it, bit. It doesn't mesh at all. 
it's so weird and it just drags on so long and it, it really does like up until that point i'm much more interested in the jonah hill and jason schwartzman who's like now a kind of like a budding tv star jonah hill is is having some success doing stand-up seth rogan's got a girlfriend now in aubrey plaza sandler's kind of like around he's sort of like in a mentoring role but it just goes off the rails yeah um yeah that's true there's no good segue into that second act you know what i mean yeah yeah i'm trying to think yeah that movie is kind of all over the place isn't it well how does it resolve (laughs) um so basically because isn't there like a whole bit about like seth rogan getting better than sandler like at or i don't know isn't uh, sandler jealous for like a huge portion of it not no he's he's more angry because seth rogan eventually like adam sandler is is basically determined to like he's like determined to get leslie mann back and she has kids you'll never guess who they're played by and uh um judd's kids yeah of course and the husband is eric bannon like he's in the picture so seth rogan's trying to like convince him like like they're in i think they live in san francisco seth rogan's just trying to convince him the whole second half of the movie is like seth rogan trying to convince adam sandler to go back to la and just like kind of let this family be um and sandler eventually gets really angry at him um and they're i just like again sorry spoiler but it's 10 years old so you should have seen it um they're driving they eventually leave and they're driving back and i think what happens is like leslie mann's character chooses to stay with eric bann and and the family and Mm -hmm. they're driving back and that's when sandler is like yelling at seth rogan um and somehow he turns it into like his comedy and he's saying like comedies for funny people and they just sort of stop talking and then seth rogan goes back to like he's just doing his own stand-up but he's not like really good on stage but he's kind of funny writing jokes and i think that's sort of how judd apatow was um he's like working at like a like a deli Deli, and adam sandler shows up at the deli and he's got like a notebook and it's just all these jokes and he's sits down with seth rogan and just starts going over the jokes with him and like here are the pointers and things like that so you gather they become friends and have more of a like a mentor mentee relationship which he doesn't need to be sick that was like it, it doesn't really come up after the fact i think it's sort of loosely like I don't know. I like that it, he was sick. I, I, it should have been. He, I, I mean, do it, it felt like it should have been more or something. Yeah. Like it should have been drawn out more. He shouldn't have like gotten better and then going on to like a whole new thing right away. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, like it, it just didn't, it didn't seem to mesh. I think there's a yeah, lot of really true. good pieces in that movie, but it doesn't all fit. Right. And I don't know why Eric Bann is in it. <laughs> it's such I think a, that was like a joke. Cause, and he's like Australian in it and it's weird because they bring up um and knocked up they talk y- about how like is he what like, is he Eric eunuch Banner, or something yeah, is that the yeah. Like, i, th- I like think a, that's like what started it that's like, like, like what do they call him like a tough jew or something <laughs> that's like yeah. that's like what it is right I, I guess i guess it's a little wink but it's just weird to have i don't know yeah. although i heard a podcast with eric bannon he started as a stand-up that's that was like a very strange to me. Can you imagine watching that guy do stand up? I also I wonder what he does these days. I feel like I haven't heard his name in since this movie. Yeah. Him, him and Cameron <laughs> Diaz, two people we got we got to check up on. <laughs> um, so yeah, funny people. Um, so yeah, so what if it? Okay, so what if he was sick to like the very end? Because I feel like that would have actually been cheesy too if he got better at the very end. Yeah, that would have been bad. I, th- I think like so maybe he should have been sick at all. I think they <laughs> use like away with the part where he's sick is. That's how he gets Leslie Mann to talk to him again, to open up that dialogue again. 
and maybe oh, that, okay. that's it. Yeah, that I, works. I, I guess that that works. It's it's not the biggest, and I don't like. I think it's a pretty good movie. It's it's just it has its flaws, but a lot of movies have have flaws. It's sure. it's just nowhere near as good as uh, Judd Apatow. What I what I think is his best movie, and, and knocked up. Um, when I saw that, I was yeah. like, okay, this very is, this uh, is awesome few movie. flaws in that one. Loved Forty Year Old Virgin. Then I believe Superbad came out between Forty Year Old Virgin and Knocked Up. Mm-hmm. And then, dude, Knocked Up just starts with the old Dirty Bastard song, yep. and they're, like, jousting in the pool. Yeah, it just looks awesome. I was, so, I was so excited. I was so happy. No one works. No one has any money, but they all have money And then for some reason. It was the best three hours of my life <laughs> yeah, after that. Yeah. Um, so, so Knocked Up, uh, Seth Rogen, this is his, his first starring role in a movie. Um, he gets Katherine Heigl's character pregnant. Um Anne Hathaway, I read, turned down the, the the female role in that movie was like a catastrophe. Um, I was reading it was Anne Hathaway was originally supposed to play, it, and I could have seen that. I, I definitely could have seen that. I think she would have been good. She turned it down because she didn't want to show. Spoiler alert: They show like a real birth, like right. full frontal yep. birth mm-hmm. in, in the movie. Um, and that Anne Hathaway said, "Like I'm not going to do it if that's going to be in it." Why? <laughs> I feel like today Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway would take it right away. Yeah. Got a little <laughs> grittier, a little darker. Yeah, right. Um, and she just doesn't want to do indies anymore. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was why she she decided to turn it down. But the other, like the other people that were were uh, rumored for that role, it's it's like pretty pretty incredible. And I'm going to pull up a list here. It's um, uh, let me see here. Because wasn't Catherine Heigl a nightmare for them for everybody on set? So. And everything else she's ever done, I don't like her. Yeah, she was apparently she was apparently like just just fan. just horrible. Um, Juliette Lewis, Drew Barrymore, Rachel Lee Cook, Cameron Diaz, Claire Danes, Tiffany Thiessen from Saved by the Bell, right? Uh, Josie Davis, I don't know who that is. Uma Thurman, obviously too old. Renee Zellweger, always always obviously too old. It says they were all they all dropped out or were booted out. So at one booted point, out. at one point, all of those people were were cast. What? I don't know. And then it says Christina Aguilera turned it down in order to focus on her music career, which had it been ending at that Nothing time. Nothing came of that because I have 2007, right? <laughs> Wasn't Genie in a Bottle like 1999? <laughs> um, yeah, it would have been. Uh, how does that even come up, though? And then it says uh, so all of Brooke those... Shields, Jennifer Connelly, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Sarah Jessica Parker were deemed too old. Well, of course. In 2007, none of them could have had kids. Like Brooke Shields and, Mich- and Michelle Pfeiffer, especially, had to be 50. Right. Uh, like I wonder if this so is crazy. A, I wonder if this is an IMDb yeah, is like joke. A, yeah, because none of this would have made on. any sense other than Anne Hathaway. Right. I, I don't. Right. Know. I don't get it. I don't but, know. But apparently, yeah, <laughs> Catherine really Heigl, Catherine Heigl was like impossible to work with, and that who, could be called. Uh, who could they have gotten at that time? Who else? That was like age appropriate. Man, two thousand seven. Right. I know. It's um, hard. It's tough now. Looking back on it. Oh boy, Kristen Wiig's in it. Yeah, that, she's great in it. I, yeah. I actually wrote a note. Her um, and uh, Alan Tudyk. Yeah, they're like the the, the people the at the executives. Yeah, yeah. She she <laughs> she really tighter. steals that scene. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, obviously. I mean, Elizabeth Banks um, could have done it. Um, oh yeah, well, oh yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, she was in Forty Old Birds, and that's why I thought of her. Um, <clears throat> I, I, maybe yeah, like always no maybe like stranger Je- to read like Jennifer Garner character yeah um and Hathaway yeah would have been a good would have been a good one uh yeah I, I don't know it, it's one of the things Judd Apatow does does well I think is cast um but but this seemed to be seemed to be challenging and I I, I mean I think that Catherine Heigl 
maybe just her character has definitely an edge to her and she probably has that herself. So mm-hmm. um, maybe it, it worked out. Well, I thought she was fine in it. Um, I thought she did a, a pretty good job. I'm not like a big Catherine Heigl fan or anything, but um, I think what, what that movie for John Apatow sing, signified was like, all right, this is, this, this is the next James L. Brooks. Yeah. This movie is, is, I mean, obviously way funnier than, than anything James L. Brooks has done. Mm-hmm. Um, his movies were funny, but, but kind of always veered more towards the romance and the drama, whereas this was right. focusing on the comedy, but then it was a, really the first, uh, the 40 year version doesn't really have that kind of emotional uh, impact on it. it. It does for a second, but then it goes to like, they're dancing in the field and it doesn't, right. you know what I mean? So this was definitely a little bit more serious and kind of a sign of things to come from, from Judd Apatow. But when I saw this movie, I was like, I was, cause it, it, it there was nothing really like it yeah. in, in, in a long time. Because, like you said, you had the the super bads and the hangovers, and it did, did. Would you say you're a big Kevin Smith aficionado? Yeah. Um, did it kind of give you those vibes? I feel like with like the relationship between the roommates, it's kind of. You know, it's funny. I was I was actually thinking about that, and I think that in Kevin's in a Kevin Smith movie, like <clears throat> I'm trying to think of a of an example of an example of um, the characters talking, and I think there's. The, the classic one is where he tells his roommates that he's pregnant and the scene's probably three or four minutes long. That, and yeah. they're all talking about like, Jonah Hill's like he's getting an abortion and yeah. Jay Baruchel's like, like, you can get all your old toys again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, so that's not, and, and I, I, I had the exact thought that you just, just gave me, but that's not how Kevin Smith, I, I think would have approached it. It would have been just so much 20 minutes of, of them talking and, and, and yeah it would have been a lot a, a lot, lot raunchier lot, but a lot like <laughs> a lot of description of the conception and, and i think like kevin smith i mean kevin smith is at his best when uh, i mean i mean the the best thing kevin smith has ever done is is his first movie which is clerks and nothing else i mean chasing amy is a, a fine movie but kevin smith is good at like packing that emotional in, in clerks the the i guess the emotional punch comes when when um at the silent bob speaks for the first time right. at the end and uh dante the main character kind of dumps one girlfriend for another one um or for an old girlfriend and silent bob tells him um this is it he silent bob stands outside the convenience store dante works at and sees him, and sees the character bring him lunch, the girlfriend that he breaks up with, bring him lunch one day. So at the end of the movie, Dante is like very frustrated with what he did. And Silent Bob just kind of out of nowhere speaks for the first time and says, you know, there's a lot of fine looking women in the world, but most of them don't bring you lasagna at lunch. They just cheat on you. Right. So Kevin Smith will spend hours just characters talking back and forth and then have that one line that gives you the emotion. I think John Apatow will not really get into the, the the voices of every single character and how they talk and and have these long conversations because he builds it to something kind of builds it something more that'll be more like emotional at the end and that's kind of what James L Brooks did too um, and that's when I like as good as it gets I think it's such a good movie because it does both of those yeah. things this was like that was more for like I could see as good as it gets being for like a fifty year old this was more for us when sure. when it came out so it was yeah. definitely a a unique movie but. But it was there was nothing really like it at the time. That was that funny, and also like the the like I mean, what's like a stupid comedy? Like 
like Happy Gilmore ends with the grandma getting the house back. It's so it's so cheap and cheesy and dumb. Yeah. Like, but that's the emotional part. The, yeah. Even like Big Daddy has like the che- they're at Hooters at the end, and there's like right. jokes throughout the emotional part. At the end of this, it's like it's pretty serious, and and that's kind of kind of what what a James L. Brooks movie would look like, and that's certainly what what Judd Apatow was going for. And and yeah, I, I mean, I love this movie. I watch it a lot. It's- <laughs> And whenever it's on, so I'm watching good. it. So quotable. Yeah, it really is. I love uh, I love Harold Ramis plays his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, so that's a really good very scene. Very briefly, but he's great in it. Yeah, when, the, when they're in the deli. Like, oh, man, I, I can't believe. That I, gets really real, actually. Yeah, that scene. I like I like that line. Yeah. He's like, Seth Rogen's like, he's like, is this like the worst thing? He's like, he's like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened or yeah, something. Yeah. And Harold Ramis is like, your mother having dementia is so bad. She doesn't know who I am anymore. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's terrible. This is great. This is good news. Yeah. There's... That line's like super dark, but I really like it though. It resonated with me. Yeah. And, and I mean, as if we needed more juxtaposition between how different the two characters are, Catherine Heigl is very successful on TV. Seth Rogen is just a total deadbeat. Um, Catherine Heigl, they show at the same time. She's having like lunch with her mom at like a ritzy yeah, restaurant. Yep. Her mom's very like, Stick up her ass it. proper and yeah, yeah, tell her to get abortion and stuff, it, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, it, it's it's interesting, but I think that Ryan Seacrest is is hilarious, um, yeah. kind of playing a, a really, really a hole version of himself. Right. Kristen Wiig is is so funny in it, probably it's like super passive aggressive towards Catherine Hoggle's yeah, character. So funny. The time. Um, Jason Siegel's uh, very funny in it. Um, always hitting on a, James Franco cameo. He's like promoting. Oh, uh, that's right, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of a lot of good elements to it, and uh, um, it, it is it really is a, a funny movie. It's it's such a good movie, and it's kind of the movies that I wish Judd Apatow would just make consistently. And I think he yeah. he's tried to, but he just hasn't been able to find that balance between the the drama and the comedy again, um, or at least you know drama comedy that that kind of makes sense. But um, Seth Rogen showed there that he can carry an entire movie. Um, that that was. I, I mean, I really didn't. I kind of knew who. I guess he was a guy in the forty-year-old virgin, but right didn't really know what to expect from Seth Rogen in two thousand seven when when this came out, and and he really showed that he can he can handle it. So yeah, um, I think that when you get into the funny people's and the this is forty or the, not funny people, the this is forty, and it's like Paul Rudd is is funny and likable, but is that a guy you want to watch for an entire movie? Probably not, um, unless yeah. it's Ant Man. But uh, <laughs> I love you, man. Oh yeah, that's right. Pretty good. Jason yeah, Siegel carries in. J- Jason Siegel, uh, I think, does. He helps him out. Heavy lifting in that one too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Paul a lot. I think he, I think he is funny. Yeah, he's but. great. All right, and then Judd uh, Apatow's directorial yes. debut, writing debut, the forty-year-old virgin. Uh, Steve Carell just first was so that was out that came out before The Office. Yes. No. Uh, it was like right around. Maybe. Yeah, right around. This. It was definitely before Steve Carell was Michael Scott, and everyone knew him as Michael Scott. It, it was he was just a correspondent on Daily Show. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That was um it. And, and then uh this movie was just a catapult for him yeah. for sure. Uh it, it is it, it's funny. Um Adam Carolla tells a story and he actually told it to John Apatow on, on his podcast. Um when Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel had some success with uh, the man show, they they started writing movies and people were were looking at them for for uh to, to sign them on to do do movies and uh um ivan reitman's production company whatever it was uh approached him and said why don't you come up with an idea for a movie and 
Um, so Adam Sandler and Jimmy Kimmel wrote a movie where Jimmy Kimmel was like a 35 year old virgin and Adam Kroll was trying to get him laid. And they brought, they brought it to Adam, <laughs> Ivan Reitman and he was like, no one will believe this. <laughs> so he like tells it to John Apatow and he was like, see, you had him at 35. He has to be 40. You know? right. that, was, that was the difference. But um, That's great. It, it's such a funny idea. Steve Carell is just perfectly cast. It is, yeah. He's um, the uh, titular 40 year old virgin. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he's, you know, the the typical, his like, what interests and hobbies are what you would think like he paints little civil war <laughs> soldiers really into action like under figures a microscope all over his like apartment a video game like chair for his <laughs> the chair yeah with like the like, like the joysticks the on the arms yeah, yeah. <laughs> framed poster of asia um he's so good though he plays it so well he's such like a like meek and friendly guy and you know his co-workers played by Paul Rudd, mm-hmm. Seth Rogen, and that other Romney fellow. Malco. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They just, yeah, sh- from the moment that they find out he's a virgin, which is early on, mm-hmm. they just it, shit on him while also trying to help him, and none of it <laughs> helps him. It, it's not what yeah, he wants. It's it, not how he wants to go about it. It's it's so funny because, <laughs> I mean, the like it, it's what I what I find so funny about the movie is the most normal person in the movie is, is Steve Carell. He's the one that's like certainly the most like has his stuff together the most grounded because the paul rudd character can't get over an ex-girlfriend uh the romney malco character is like ma- married and just she's on his wife like constantly and um just thinks he's like the biggest lady man and the seth rogan character is just I mean, he's, like he's like what is 23 in that <laughs> yeah and and he just he just like yeah that's the other really thing he looks like he's like his life started but he looks like he's like at least at the le- very least thirty five years old. It, it, it really is crazy. Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But Freaks and Geeks, I mean, Seth Rogen can't act, c- cannot act at all in that show. Like he's really, really, really bad in that show. And, he just plays like a bully, right? Uh, or just like a tough. He's like a, just hangs well, he's one of the Franco. freaks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Franco is more of like the tough guy. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, um, he's so funny in, in in this movie, and it's all these guys like that are such disasters giving just horrible advice to this poor guy. And it's like, I always find like, I always find that and I don't even know what it's called, but like, it's always sunny. Does it a lot. Like yeah. they, the four friends in, or the gang and it's always sunny. It's, I don't know, for example, and they're trying to like, like help the Mexican family in the neighborhood right. and they end up like burning their house down. Yeah. Like they're always trying to do something good. And it's always just like, always yeah. turns out in disaster. And this isn't as far fetched, but at the same time, it's kind of like these guys are, are so screwed up and they're just projecting this horrible advice to this poor guy, Andy. Uh, but eventually it, it works out and he finds a, a woman in, in Catherine Keener who, who's I, I, she's she was good in everything. She was excellent. Yep. She really is good in everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, yeah. I, 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 I've never seen a Catherine Keener movie. I don't yeah. like. And Tachi's never, like, has she been nominated for, any, for an Oscar? Mm, not to my knowledge, I don't know. She's very good in Capote, where she plays Har- yeah, Harper Lee, awesome. but I don't think she was nominated um, in that. She's in a movie, Please Give, uh, which is um, written and directed by uh, Nicole. I think her name's Hol- Holof Center, like H O L O F C E N E R. She directs some episodes of Parks mm-hmm. and Rec. Um, love that movie. Yeah, she, she's great though, but she's really good in this. She was nominated for Capote. She was. Yep, and then I also got- in two thousand for. A movie that I always forget that she's in, and I love her, and is being John Malkovich. Oh I just yeah, love that movie. Yeah, too. that's right, that's right. Hey, we got to do Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, oh, I, 
Spike That's Jones. a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, who directed that? John, that was Spike Jones, right? Who directed that was Spike John Jones. Malkovich, yep. But Charlie mm-hmm. Kaufman wrote it. Correct. That was a good team. They yeah, should have stuck, yeah, stuck no. together. Because <laughs> Spike Jones wrote... ninety nine that came out. Being John Malkovich? Yeah. 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 Why, why didn't they keep that going? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I like pretty much, other than her, no, I don't even mind her. Her's on her. Netflix or Hulu or something. I'm going to watch it again. Um, yeah, I don't know why those guys didn't keep it going. But anyway, Catherine Keene is great. Now, Jonah Hill has another just scene-stealing cameo in it when he goes oh, into dude, her store yep. to buy, like, the boots. Yeah, so Catherine Keener it's works so at a funny. store where people bring in their stuff, and she mm-hmm. sells it on eBay for them. It, yeah. And he walks in there and picks up a <laughs> pair of high-heeled shoes that are see-through <laughs> like, and have, like, little goldfish in them. He's <laughs> like, these are these are fantastic. How much? <laughs> just like, oh, well, you can't really buy it. He's like, I'll just give you some money, and then I will take them. <laughs> oh, it, it is funny. Um, but the four-year-old virgin was just so unexpected. I, I don't think I, yeah. I don't even think I saw it in theaters. We were, I was a young kid. I, like I definitely saw it. Yeah, fifteen or sixteen. I saw it on I DVD. Guess. Yeah, but it was definitely not long after the release. So I was like, yeah, fi- yeah, probably fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, and it was. I mean, it's such a funny movie, and it it really holds up. Yeah. Um, I think there there's definitely a strong case. I th- I like I I prefer Knocked Up. I probably because it has that emotional component. But the four-year-old virgin is close to being my favorite of, of his movies. Um, it, it's it's just such a such a solid movie, and it's so funny. And Steve Carell's just just yeah. perfectly cast. Yep. They really couldn't have done a better job uh, with that character than Carell. I wonder if anyone else. And is... I think uh, time wise, it's pretty good, and the pace is good, and I feel like nothing needed to be taken out or um, added. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm gonna say it's my favorite of his. Yeah, it's sure. it's well, it's actually two hours long. Oh, hour fifty six. Goes by um, quick. Yeah, God, it really does. Um, but it looks like uh, um, when Catherine Keener was cast, Steve Carell told John Apatow that her casting had legitimized the film's credibility. <laughs> so yeah, she was, I mean, she was a two-time <clears throat> Academy Award nominee at that point, I guess. Yeah. But she has a, a good sense of humor. Um, the classic scene in that movie, the you know how I know you're gay between yep. uh, Rogan and, and, um, yeah, Paul, Rogan Rod. and Paul Rudd yeah. was totally improvised by those guys. Um, which makes me feel like don't maybe hold uh, up today. I don't know if they could. Yeah, do it. Oh yeah. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't think so. Um, and then Jane Lynch is the boss in the in the oh, she's great electronic too. store, the Circuit City that they all they all work in is 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 just so funny. She she's she's really 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 funny. Yeah. I mean, I, I never watched that show Glee, but but every time I see her like pop up in a movie. Um, yeah, she's I, always like perfectly cast for her part. She is. Uh, she is. She she is a lesbian, right? In uh, real life, I believe so. Okay, she doesn't play one in, in this movie, but it's almost like she is. But she's trying to have right. sex with anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so, it's 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 so weird. Yeah, but, she kind of um, hints to it. Throw a little rouge on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tuck your sack back. Oh. Um. <laughs> so yeah, the film debut it's of so film debut of uh, Mindy Kaling. How about that? She plays wow. uh, Paul Rudd's. Right. Um, yeah. The X. Yeah, I'm looking to see if. I'm looking to see if there's anyone else that was rumored to have uh, played the role of, of Andy, but it looks like... Well, Steve Carell is, co-wrote the movie, so oh, I, I assume that. that he was always... Uh, yeah, he was always um, <laughs> always going to be be the man to, to play the role. But, um, yeah, what, what a funny movie, and, and really the start to a, a very good career that has been slowly going downhill. <laughs> I'm, I'm just... I, <laughs> I just want to see him right. Don't bring it back, John. There's still still time. He's he, for what this the amount this guy's done. 
and, and he was born in 67, so he's 77, 87, 97, 2017. He's 51, roughly. I mean, God, there's more than enough time. It's it's incredible the amount of stuff that he's he's responsible for, though, and yeah. especially as a um, as a producer. Um, he doesn't have anything directorial wise coming up according to IMDb right now. Um, what what's something you would like to see him him do that he, that he hasn't done yet? What do you mean, like a topic idea? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would I like to see like a like a biopic of a comedian because he's so good. I like when he showing comedians <laughs> no I like when his stories are original do you yeah but I mean he has never done anything yeah it was like a biopic so maybe it could work yeah it'd be interesting I don't know I, I'm, I'm curious to see he's, he's got so much on his plate though producing every single TV show that comes out so it's I mean yeah it's pretty crazy here <laughs> should we just jump right into that I, I just hold on as a producer here's what he has in development Untitled Laura Dern Project, Untitled Keegan-Michael Key-Jordan Peele Project, Untitled Paul Feig Project, Untitled Aziz Ansari Project, and then a bunch of things that have have names on them. He's producing (laughs) literally literally everything. Um, Yeah, so why don't we why don't we we'll kind of jump around, I guess, to to the let's let's do the the movies. I was surprised to see all these movies that he has produced, and it's it's pretty incredible. So. Let's jump around a little bit. Um, first off, we, we got to talk about this one. He uh, produced and and was a co-writer of this movie with uh, with Stephen Brill, who's a funny guy. Uh, uh, just an absolute classic. Uh, we're talking about 1995's Heavyweights. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you take this one away. <laughs> I mean, what is there to say? It's called Heavyweights. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. It's about a young boy who's a little hefty plump kids are, plump kids are lured are lured <laughs> into joining a posh fat camp with the promise of quick weight loss and good times only to find the facility is a woodland hellhole a woodland hellhole hell run by a psycho ex-fitness instructor in ben stiller's best role yeah i it's it's up there that would be uh tony perkis it's definitely his best role yep he's he's so basically funny. yeah he's like um He's like Whitey from Dodgeball, but like a little bit toned down, mm-hmm. like a more realistic Whitey if that's kind of thing. But he's just like a crazy, like narcissist bodybuilder, fitness instructor it, who buys the camp, takes over and puts the kids through hell and the kids find a way to take them down. There's, so it's, fun, it's just a really fun movie. It's, there's many laugh out loud moments. And, and, and uh, what produced it? What's so difficult? And, and co-wrote it. And what's so difficult co-wrote about it, it is it's such a funny movie, but uh, at the same time, it's a PG movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, That's it's impressive. just like it's. Yeah, that is impressive. Yeah, because it's it's hilarious. I mean, so much of it is the way Ben Stiller plays his character. <laughs> yeah, there's so many good lines from him. But uh, I mean, to me, I just I put it up there with like the classic '90s movie, like Little Giants and mm-hmm. Mighty Ducks, Mighty Ducks, cool, Sandlot, cool, cool Running. It's definitely in with those. So, yeah, it it it, it really is good. such a such a classic, and that was that was 1995. Um, another one that that Apatow, uh, he he produced, and and it, he's not credited as a writer, but I know he took a couple passes at the movie, uh, The Cable Guy. He writes about it in his book and in his interview with Ben Stiller, who directed it. Uh, the it, it went so far off the rails so quickly they just couldn't get their arms around it, and it ben turned Stiller out to something. Directed that? Yeah, yeah. And it actually, tur- I haven't seen it. 
it turned into something it turned into something so like so completely um just so what is that I thought it was fire alarm. Uh, so completely like off off kilter. Uh, Chris Farley was originally supposed to star in star in the Cable Guy, which would have made it a completely different movie. Yeah. But they had to take him out and bring Jim Carrey in, and it turned into this. I think that some people still like it and regard it as a cult classic. I don't really like it. I haven't seen it in a long time though. Um, but but yeah, Avatar writes about in and again his book uh, Sick in the Head, um, and and has a conversation with Ben Stiller about it, and it just didn't it didn't pan out the way they. Uh, the way they wanted, the way they wanted it to, um, but again, pretty impressive for just sort of early early nineties. Who's the other guy, stuff. Broderick? Yeah, Broderick's in it. Okay, yeah, man, his his heyday, the poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, just kind of skipping skipping along through some of the movies. And in two thousand four, he produces uh, probably one of the ten most iconic comedies of all time. I think when, uh, yep. when, when the world's over, uh, Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. Um, and I think that put Will Ferrell on for a lot of people as a comedic actor. Yeah, he was, yeah. I mean, I think he was like the man on SNL for, for a yeah. while. Yeah, and, yeah. and then he does this movie, which puts him into a whole new, whole new stratosphere. Adam McKay, um, and Will Ferrell, uh, I guess they're, their first feature film together. Um, Again, he brings back Paul Rudd. Steve Carell's in it again, uh, or I guess this this was before Forty Year Old Virgin. Sorry, so Steve Carell's basically an unknown. Um, David Koechner's in it. Uh, Christine Applegate, and and just just a hilarious, hilarious movie, <laughs> start to finish. Um, Excellent group. It, it it really is. That's All that's the four of them together, like playing these like seventies like. <laughs> it's it's. I, I mean, I don't even know. I we were talking about it a while them. ago, and and I think we're we're, we're talking about the. I was trying to figure out who I think the funniest like people living are. And I, I can't remember exactly what it came up with, but it was like Will Farrell was number one. Because I think that across basically anything, he's hilarious. Uh writing, acting, sketch, improv. Uh he's just he's so funny in everything. And he plays this, this character just like so over the top, but it's yeah. almost like still believable right in a way because it's like oh it's 70s so um just like how oblivious all four of them are to like everything it really it really is funny and just like don't live on earth and honestly if if apatow stopped there he he probably uh would have been set for life Um, he goes on i mean he produces (laughs) he got super bad he produces super bad talladega Talladega nights Nights, Yeah. yeah um he wrote wrote and produced walk hard with uh, John C. Riley, Drillbit Taylor, he produces Step Brothers. He produces. He comes up with a story and produces Pineapple Express. He produces Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, he obviously uh, or he produces Get Him to the Greek. He produce. I mean, Bridesmaids. He's a producer on it. We should probably stop and go over Bridesmaids because he's. Sure. Yep. I mean, I, I think Judd Apatow certainly would consider himself a feminist, and and he's always championed like female, not necessarily just comics, but but female actors actresses mm-hmm. things like that and probably a lot it has to do with his wife who's an actress and he kind of you know saw her struggle for for a while because she didn't do anything until she met him and then was in all his movies um and then of course his, his daughter so uh bridesmaids like that, that was a movie that really caught me that off was guard. huge that yeah. was so so funny out of nowhere too. um yeah it really did and and i mean it, it's kind of hard to to like the the I guess the I don't I can't differentiate 
the advertising campaign for bridesmaids from like uh like what's that the bad mom's club or whatever that movie's called yeah. with like mila kunis which right. i'm sure is just a, a total pile of dog shit right. but like so the, the advertising is the same and it, i guess it's difficult to get away from it but um i can't remember i feel like i just heard about it through like word of mouth i like don't remember any advertising it, yeah i, I, yeah, I, I mean like just like i knew who Kristen Wiig, steam when it came out knew who Kristen wig was knew who my rudolph was um I think her name was Annie Mamolo, who was a co-writer with Kristen Wiig. Had obviously no idea who she was. Um, I guess she was right on SNL. But then, of course, this is the introduction of Melissa McCarthy for, for yeah. most people. Yep. They didn't watch watch that TV show with her and the about being fat with the other guy. Um, and and she steals the entire movie pretty much. She's she's really really funny in that. And it's a shame because she hasn't capitalized on it at all. Um, which leads me to believe that that Kristen Wiig is just an incredible writer because nothing else Melissa McCarthy's done has been funny. Nothing. Just nothing, and she tried that character over and over again. To think, yeah. <laughs> good luck. Um, but but this, um, I guess, 2011. I guess was Girls out by 2011? I don't think so. I believe it's 2012. Yeah. So so this is kind of the start of him really championing. Uh, and that ran six seasons, and mm-hmm. yeah, he played a big part in that. Helped Lena yeah. Dunham a lot. Yeah. Um, What's yeah? I think that's going based... back to his daughter that you said was a terrible oh actress. God, she's she's she has like an arc for a while. Of course, of course. Well, let's 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 hop into that. Um, if you want to just keep keep pushing through, I mean, those are the key ones he's produced. But there's a lot more that that he's had his hand in, which is uh, yeah. I mean, television as of recently, there's this show that I love on Netflix mm-hmm. called Love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, talk. I've, I've not seen that, but it's I, really good. It's I hope this lead guy gets more stuff. His name is Paul Rost. And mm-hmm. uh, you might know him from like nothing except <laughs> this movie called I Love You, Beth Cooper. Do you remember that movie? <laughs> uh, With Hayden Panettiere. Uh, and he's the lead. And uh, then he like disappeared for a while after that. Because um, I think he's a writer. He's a really good writer. Yeah, I, I do not remember that movie. But Judd um, Kessim has the lead in Love. He's like kind of a nerdy dorky guy um opposite gillian jacobs who's his love interest Mm -hmm. and she's not the kind of girl you think he would end up with she's like very rough around the edges rough upbringing all that um and they kind of come together to form an unlikely relationship and And, it just shows the ups and downs of that and that's gone on quite a few seasons right three and it's over oh they they wrapped it up yeah okay which i which i'm always so happy about yeah when they decide yeah. to do that when they, <laughs> when they know how it's going to end the british way yeah and it looks like oh john apathow's credit as a creator on the show yeah Not i think it was so i well. think it was paul rust who's the lead him yeah him paul's wife and yes john right. came together I, i've heard interviews with with this guy paul rust and I, I sort of remember that um yeah I, got, I definitely gotta watch that show um before i destroy girls though there is an hbo show uh that that <laughs> that Judd Apatow is heavily involved in and that is called crashing, which, yep. which is probably my favorite show on TV right now. It's so great. Um, it's, it's such a good show. Pete Holmes is great in it. Artie Lang finally gets his, his due. And that's, you know, as much as I'm not, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of some of Judd Apatow's movies, not a fan of some others. Uh, I, I do think he's, he's obsessed with, with Judd Apatow and loves being a celebrity. Uh, but, but what he's done for, for Artie Lang, I, I, I have to give him a lot of credit for, yeah. um, I mean, and Artie Lang's burned him. Like, sure. he's completely failed him. Yeah. The, 
he gives him this great opportunity and Artie Lang gets busted buying heroin in a parking garage mm-hmm. and Judd Apatel doesn't totally cut him loose, which is, which is admirable. And it's also because Artie Lang is the best thing about that show. <laughs> He's so good in that show. Um, as, as Pete Holmes is, uh, his body for anyone who hasn't watched crashing Pete Holmes plays a version of himself. Um, Pete Holmes is a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. and that's like mostly where he stays. I feel like I don't see him acting much. Pete Holmes. I, know, I know back yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. he has a, he has a podcast that he's done forever since like 2011. Mm-hmm. And Remember I had a late night show off of that podcast? all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He had a show short that came lived, on after yeah. Conan. It was short lived. Um, but yeah, he kind of like stays within comedy. He's done some like sketches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this, he plays a version of himself and I think he's pretty good. Yeah. But um, yeah, they bring in all these actual comedians who play like a version of themselves as well. And they really, uh, you know, they help carry the show. Yeah, yes. I mean, each so, episode there's like a handful of cameos from comedians playing themselves, and, and, and that's this is that is great. that is Judd Apatow's just total wheelhouse. Yeah, because um, he was just such a part of that world, and he and he's so. I mean, he's probably still fairly heavily involved in it um, because he does seem to work with a lot of a lot of stand ups and everything he does now. Um, but but crashing is is such a great show, and I think it's it's yeah, for some reason you know it. it it feels, even if you don't know anything about stand-up comedy, don't like stand-up comedy, don't care about stand-up comedy, it's relatable in a lot of other ways um, of just, you know, I, I do like things about people that, like, people that have just, have not had any success in, in really anything they've done and sort of, as the story wears on, he sort of gets a taste of it and he sees other people that are successful and, um, you know, one of, the, one of the great scenes is the very, basically the first 10 minutes of the first episode and Artie Lang kind of sits down with them. And they just meet and um, Judd Apatow's advice to Artie Lang was just, just say what you would say to like somebody trying to start stand-up comedy and Pete Holmes' character is saying like, like if a doctor goes to, or if somebody goes to medical school, they come out a doctor. You know, if I put in my, my time going to nightclubs and working and things like that, then I'm going to become a comedian. And Artie Lang's like, well, not, not necessarily. Like, that's not how it works. And <laughs> right. it gives, like, a really, really good kind of explanation that sets sets the tone for the show. Um, but that's such such a good show, and and I would definitely encourage everyone to uh, to watch it. Speaking of uh, stand-up comedy shows, have you ever seen that show? I think it's on Showtime. It's called I'm Dying Up Here. I haven't, but I'm familiar. <laughs> so Dom Irera, who, who yeah. is from Philly and is, yep. is known for, for playing the limo driver in Lebowski. Yeah. I got a rash on my ass so bad <laughs> I can't even sit down. But you know me, I can't complain. <laughs> and it's like, it's so... <laughs> the dude the dude is in the limo and he just lost, what was it, a million dollars? Yeah. And he's like sitting in the back of the limo and this guy's driving him home. And the dude's saying like... Uh, you know, and the limo driver's name's Tony, and he's saying, ah, Tony, you know, feeling really down in the dumps, like, until you pick me up. He said, I lost a little bit of money, and Tony just, like, looks back, and he's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and we lose, he lost a million dollars, and he's just like, and the dude's like, yep, you're right, life goes on. <laughs> home sweet home, Mr. L. <laughs> oh, God. But anyway, Dom is saying, he was on, he was on uh, Preston and Steve, and he was like, the, I think Steve was like, yeah, so what, like, what else are you up to? And he's like, God, you see an awful show I was on? I'm dying up here. Oh, man. And I was like, jeez. Oh, <clears throat> I heard it was pretty good, but yeah. but uh, that takes place in the 70s around right. like, the comedy store. This is a uh, more present-day New York uh, comedy scene. And I, yeah, I think it and does I a really like, good job. They go, um, they go into like the different genres of comedy that are present now like, yeah especially um, they go into like second alt, season alt comedy mm-hmm. versus Just like, like somebody's apartment versus like yeah. the guys like bill burr and 
like Colin Quinn. Mm-hmm. I think he shows up. And then they're they're all like they have their like so, own like, table at, at the comedy cellar. Yeah. Um, Louis never popped up in that show, even before everything. Right. Did he? He's too. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if I don't know if uh, yeah, <laughs> I, subject I, yeah, or... I, yeah. I don't know. Um, so I guess we won't be doing a Horace and Pete episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he, I don't know. They really dive deep into com- like the comedy yeah. world, <clears throat> like every facet of the comedy world, and they do a really good job with it. It's pretty simple yeah, to follow. Definitely watch that show. Informative, too. There's a lot going on. All right. And then a TV show more recently that he's done, which I tried. I have tried. Girls. I can't do it. I find I, I, I Lena Dunham. She doesn't have I, uh, a funny bone in her body. She has I an interesting the whole bone. Thing. I watched the whole. I think it was six seasons. G- give us the give us the synopsis of Girls. I, I I watched the first. I watched. I think I watched the entire first season. Yeah. Um. She's a millennial writer trying to get by. It's like millennial sex, write, in, sex in the city. She write books. Was that a thing? Or no? She writes no, for a magazine, she, right? Yeah. Like a newspaper? She takes like a lot of different writing jobs throughout the series. Okay. And then she like takes other jobs. She becomes a teacher for a while. That's where John Apatow's daughter comes into play. She's one of the students. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a millennial girl struggling to live in New York. <laughs> but like the I like the, a lot of the secondary performances are great though. Adam Driver's awesome. Well, he's he's and just a good actor. Like, they just have an on and off relationship throughout the whole thing. And yeah. To watch that develop is great. I, I tried watching the show before I knew who he was, and I started seeing him. He was in that. I think I mentioned before he was in the movie called What If. Just like it was a stupid movie. It was like Dana Radcliffe, and <clears throat> it was sort of like a knockoff of Five Hundred Days of Summer. Try to kind of capitalize on that momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just about like Dana Radcliffe plays a guy who likes a girl who has a boyfriend, and uh, um, Adam Driver plays his uh, co- he plays his roommate in it, I believe, and he's really good. So I went back, and I was like, this Adam Driver guy's really can act so i went back to try to watch girls again and i just couldn't get through it again because i feel like i just don't like i don't know not that i'm a girl and i can relate but i don't know anyone like that and i think that if i said that the response would be well you, know, you don't live in new york you don't you don't understand what it's like in new york new york new york new york and it's just like shut shut the hell up like I, 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 could, I could throw a football and hit like the greatest city in the world from where i'm sitting right now philly's so much better than new york it's, it's insane but i think that's like the only thing it has going for it otherwise these people are so unrealistic like i, I don't know anyone that ever would act like that or talk like that uh, i think they're out there for sure girls like that like Lena Dunham's character in this show where 100 percent in brooklyn williamsburg see, see that's 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 the whole thing greenwich it's, village i'm just saying oh my god places yeah. that i think are populated by hipsters yeah, where they are. It, it's, um so that's what they're they're hipsters i mean they dress like hipsters and it's also annoying that <laughs> I, I just can't help but i can't help but feel that not one girl in that cast well i guess other than what's her name is her name jima or jemima kirk jemima kirk yeah she's other, great so she's really good you get zoja mamet i assume riding her father's coattails yeah and then you get lena dunham her parents are successful and rich right. and you get allison williams who's up until his her father lied about being on a helicopter in war zone. <laughs> like, why is there not a book on that? That was the weirdest thing. He was, was like so crazy. He was the, the quintessential newsman. Yeah. He lied about getting attacked in a he helicopter in a like, war zone. His helicopter going down, I think. <laughs> and then he, and now he's just totally off, off the air. He's just nowhere. Right. Like, how's right. it? That how's this so not, weird. I forgot about God, that. It's so crazy. Um, and then there's this guy, Alex Korpovsky. Are you looking at the IMDb? 
I am. Is he a actor? He's a yeah. He's like second to Adam Drivers. Ray Ploshansky. I yeah. Sw- he's, he's in the first um, season, right? He is. He's in the whole show. He's okay. also in uh, Lewin Davis. He's great. He's a great actor. Uh, he plays. He plays somebody that's like at the dinner, where he freaks out. Oh really? The Gorefines. He's like a guest at the Gorefines dinner. Interesting. Interesting. Let's talk about that movie next. I'm, I'm, oh my god, that movie's great. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to. Oh, is it well, House Caesar as well? So, uh, well, good enough for the Coens. Good enough for me. And then um, there's this other dude in it. Oh, I can't remember that. Andrew Rannells. Oh yeah, Andrew Rannells is really good. So yeah. Andrew Rannells. But there's this guy Christopher Abbott who Christopher. was just recently in First Man, which I praised a couple episodes ago. Okay, Jake Lacey's really in it. I like him. So uh, all the guys and girls are great. Uh, the girls aren't. <laughs> Chris O'Dowd's in it a little bit. It looks. Oh, John Cameron Mitchell's in it. Uh oh yeah 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 oh he's good. Corey he plays, Stoll. He plays Lena Dunham's boss for a while. Jason Ritter, Catherine Hahn. What what is this? A.D. Bryant. What's what's going on here? Why are these people doing this? <laughs> I'm gonna have to give this another go. Uh yeah, these are all like just like one episode character. Chris O'Dowd. I forgot. That's he's a, really good, good too. Andrew Rannells was a guy who who yeah he played the lead. Um, okay, so all the. <laughs> I so have all like, the I, I secondary think, characters that for, pop up for one episode are really good. I've never, I've never seen Zoja Mamet or Jemima Kirk in anything else other than the first season of the show, and I don't mind them. Allison Williams, just awful, and Lena Dunham is is wildly just. There's just no, it's there's no talent at all there. The fact people like the show so much, I think, probably does say something for for the the work that Jemima Kirk and Zoja Mamet. I mean, Driver, I think I think Lena Dunham because it does a good I, job at playing this character, which is basically Lena Dunham. I would hope so in real right. life. Yeah, and then I just I can't. I, I don't but but I don't the, the difference is Lena Dunham was never poor. The character's poor, right? The character's struggling because her parents cut her off. Drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. Lena Dunham's parents didn't cut shit off. They gave her money to make that terrible tiny furniture movie. God, I, I really despise her. I really do. I don't think she has any talent at all. I, I really don't. And and I'm going to watch the show again just to see all these people in it because it apparently is like the best yeah. supporting cast ever. Yeah. But uh, um, that's something else Apatow did. But I think if we're talking um, Judd Apatow and his television career, you got to go way back to when he discovered uh, people that are basically the the godfathers of comedy right now, uh, Freaks and Geeks with Seth Rogen, Jason yes. Siegel. James Franco, Busy Phillips, and Linda Busy Cardellini. Busy Phillips. Um, and I, it's it's one one season. Um, they obviously wanted to do more. Uh, it was it was created by by Paul Feig and, and Judd Apatow, I believe, um, or maybe Paul Feig gets sole sole creator credits. But um, the show is about. I guess it takes place in the eighties. No, seventies. No, I think it's like on the cusp. It's maybe. like because maybe like nineteen eighty. They're talking about Star Wars and. Yeah, you could be right, actually. The 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 geeks talk about Star Wars a lot, which and was Siegel, in yeah. between like seventy seven and eighty one. Siegel's like a huge like, Pink Floyd fan. Yeah, that's right, and he's like the drummer. So, yeah. um, if this is on Netflix, so you, you should definitely go ahead and watch it. It's just a high school show. Um, uh, there are like the seniors in the high school are James Franco, Jason Siegel, and Seth Rogen, and Linda Cardellini plays a geek turned to a freak after her grandfather dies. Um, and then her brother and his friends played by, um, uh, Sam Levine, Martin Starr, and, uh, um, John Francis Daly, who's like a pretty popular writer right now doing, writing some comedies of his own and directing stuff. Um, he actually now wrote, uh, the most recent Spider-Man movie, horrible bosses, um, a couple episodes of bones. Um, but he plays one of the geeks and it just, 
basically goes through high school when Judd Apatow and, and Paul Feig and these guys were, were in high school. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's dark more so than, than definitely. Like, it makes hilarious, me, it, but it's dark. Did you ever watch uh wonder years? Yeah. Reminds me of like an eighties wonder years. Wonder years yeah. is set in like the fifties. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I could be wrong about a little that. bit. It's, it's probably funnier. Wonder years definitely isn't set in the fifties. No, wonder, that, that wonder might be seventies as well. Yeah. I don't know. I think that is the seventies. Um, but it reminds me of that in like the, you know, the few episodes of freaks and geeks it tackles a lot of stuff. And I think, um, I think like in one episode, Sam Levine's character's parents are like getting divorced and they go through that. And then there's one where Seth Rogen's like dating a transsexual girl. Do you remember that? I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's that's, that's definitely part of it. Yeah. And it's murky. It's blurry. I I know busy Phillips said Franco was like abusive off the set. Uh, but I feel like he was abusive on set or Franco's parents were like abusive. Uh, his character's parents were abusive in the show. Jason Siegel, Jason Siegel, like wanted to play the drums and his dad was like a drill sergeant. Like right. there was a lot of that I kind of stuff. That, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, there was definitely some dark stuff there. Like Martin Starr had like a horrible allergy and like some kid gave him like a peanut or something, like yeah. made him mm-hmm. a peanut or something. Like there was some really, really like weird dark stuff in it. Um, but it, it, it became such a cult classic and I, I think that it came out at a time where you had one shot and you better have yeah. millions and millions of people watching it. Now like yep. there's shows on Netflix that like forty six people watch and they're gonna get another season. Yeah. Just because they just it doesn't <laughs> matter. Um why does it was it eighteen episodes? Yeah, and yeah. That feels like a lot for me know. for some reason. I guess that oh, was really? a full yeah, I guess it was a season. Are they half hour episodes? It got cut short, yeah. Wow. Um yeah, like I was saying earlier, though, this is the first thing Seth Rogen was in. He's just a kid. Jason Siegel's in. They, they've come a long way. They've really... Seth Rogen doesn't even sound like himself. Absolutely. Like, he, yeah. like, <laughs> was hitting puberty as the show was going on. It's so weird. He, like, doesn't have that deep voice at all. And he's yeah, Martin, like, Martin Starr is, like, a child. Yeah, and yeah. And to, like, see him as, like, a Gilfoyle from it's, Silicon it, Valley. It's, it's so true. It's, like, it's, the same kid. God, it wasn't that long ago. The only like person, I mean, Lin- years ago, but still. But Linda Carlini's had a had a successful career as more of a serious actress. She's, I mean, in like Brokeback Mountain, she had a big arc on ER. ER, dude, yeah. Um, uh, Grandma's Boy, she's funny. Oh yeah, and she's great. Yeah. Obviously, James Franco goes on a great success. Seth Rogen, Jason Segel, huge success. Martin Starr kind of is lumped in with them. Busy Phillips is the only one who really <laughs> didn't take off person. after this. <laughs> I <don't> like. <laughs> I, I, I just don't, I, I don't know what she is. I don't know what she does. Like I like her on the show. I think oh, she's good. Um, I may or may not have, have had to cut out a rant from a previous episode. <laughs> Did about you Busy Phillips? Out? Yeah, yeah, I took <laughs> good, it out. Good, it's a good, little good. too much. Um, she's just I don't. She's just friends with Michelle Williams. That's what she's. I don't know what else she does. She, I think she has a talk show now, Come right? On, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. I'm just saying she's the only one who didn't really take off. And oddly enough, she's not on the poster, and she was definitely a main character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's that's Busy Phillips. Um, <laughs> but but I think Freaks and Geeks is is again in the '90s. We're not. We, I was certainly not watching it then when it was out. But um, all these guys are Paul Feig and and Judd Apatow are very successful doing what they're doing now, and you could see it. Yeah, that there was something. Be, yeah, you know, behind the show that was was driving and making it making it good, and, and Judd Apatow has really turned that into. I mean, everything he does, I think, is yeah. is sort of predicated off the success of of or what that show became, and not that it was successful at the time, but but I think that in terms of 
you know, notoriety and, and how much people like that show. You definitely would call it a success. Yeah. He's, um, John's really good at these little like slice of life pieces, you know, Uh, where, you know, characters consist mostly of men. He really is. Mostly white racist. Um, exactly. Um, but it is, it is like, I think it is, and I, I, I agree with me in saying that as he's doing more of this TV stuff, his movies are, and, and he doesn't have anything coming out, so he's not working on another movie. I would kind of rather see him buckle down and write and direct movies. Mm-hmm. Like, if I could just have that. I mean, James L. Brooks was working on The Simpsons and making great movies at the same time, but he wasn't producing 600 different TV shows, and I assume he's heavily involved in a lot of these, which is which is really, really, really impressive. And, I mean, then he's touring with, or I'm assuming he, toured a little bit with his his stand-up thing so i kind of want to see him buckle down and just write direct movies again that would be ideal for me yep i think it's what he does best i'm ready for that as well and as much as i like the tv shows that he's he's in charge of i I think that uh that some more john epitome movies that kind of get back to the 40 year old virgin knocked up the funny people um that that's what i'm waiting for and he's and I also want to see you know he produced the Big Sick which probably introduced Kumail Nanjiani to a lot yeah. of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see him do more of that because there's a lot of like he obviously discovered Seth Rogen and Franco and, and Jason Siegel. There's a lot of people out there um, that and, and, and this guy it. this guy Paul Rust. Yep. Um, you know I, I always hear good things about him. So he definitely has an eye for talent and and I think that the next like great great voices in comedy are probably going to be involved with John Epitale in one way or another. Although I will say like the the movies that I have found like the funniest over the, over the course of say the last, the last 15 years or the hangover, bad Santa, uh, old school wedding crashers, which he has nothing to do with any of them. Wow. Isn't that odd? I didn't have a list like that ready. The, I, I mean, that's just off the top of my head and knocked yeah. up's probably <clears throat> is in there as well. Would be the only Apatow one, but I mean, I would take Todd Phillips. Com- I mean, let's see what happens with this Joker movie that Todd Phillips is working <laughs> on, but I would probably take Todd Phillips comedies over, over Apatow comedies, but uh, but I'm I'm excited to see what this is going to come off. Like I hate the guy, which yeah, I, I do. I hate I hate him as a person. I do. I really do. But absolutely, I, it's going to come off like you hate him, and, and it's going to come hate, off like me like me reconsidering <laughs> if I actually ever liked any of his stuff or or seen any of his stuff. <laughs> I mean, no, four year old virgin is just just one of my between crashing the four year old virgin knocked, and knocked up, up and funny people. He's he's good. He's good. Good in my book. Yep. <clears> um, watch love. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch a lot of it. I think I would like that. There's a train again. Watch um, Crashing. What, what time are we at Let's right just now? plug his stuff that we like. Yeah. An hour and 17. So is that how often the train comes by? <laughs> Every hour and 15 minutes? Um, wow, that was... The train that came was... by like three times during this. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, we could... I, I touched on the documentary a little bit, the Gary Shandling one. Uh, <clears throat> I, I only watched some like... of it. I don't like Gary Shandling, though. He seems like know. he wanted to be I... left alone. Yeah, because... So, I mean, going back to crashing now, John and Pete have this relationship. And so Mm -hmm. John's been on Pete's podcast like three times Mm -hmm. in like the past like two years. Yeah. Um, And that's how I found out about Gary. They talk a lot about him on there. He's, uh, yeah, I don't know. He seemed to like really influence Judd though. Yeah. A huge influence for Judd. And then, yeah. Judd got to start writing for Larry Sanders. Um, Right. On Larry Sanders, or not writing for Gary Shandling on the Larry Sanders show, which was an HBO yeah, show. Never seen it. Yeah, I, I probably got to watch it. But um, yeah, like in his like last couple of years, he became like a spiritual Zen Buddhist and became kind yeah. of a recluse. Yep, 
yeah, found that interesting for a comedian. Yeah, it kind of not necessarily a rough upbringing, but he had a brother who died like very young. Yeah, um, which which sort of made his mom like overprotective of him, and it's interesting. But Judd has to like insert himself into this in this documentary, and it's almost like you get the feeling like maybe Gary Shanley didn't want want this stuff out <laughs> like just for what you learn about him from the documentary it's like yeah, it's kind of a little bit a little bit odd and he's kind of kept himself and maybe just wanted to be left alone and there's a lot of guys like that i mean especially in, in the world of comedy um and then and then the uh the avet brothers documentary i can't remember what that was called but you said you saw uh bits and pieces of that i did yeah um it's good i don't I don't know. It's just about them, if, like. I mean, we're we're fans of the Avett Brothers. If you're not fans of the Avett Brothers, would you would you, would you like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you would. That's, I, that's think, a I think it would good endorsement. Turn you on to them. It's I don't know. It's about them being perfectionists and struggling with their faith and whatnot because they're, you know, they're Southern mm-hmm. Christian boys and yeah, yeah, <laughs> really talented artists. Great music. Interesting. Um, yeah, they had an interesting upbringing as well and. Yeah. I I read um and uh in in, in John Apatow's book he he it, he a lot of the interviews he has he does twice so he has interviews with like famous comedians from when he was sixteen in high school doing it for his radio station and then present day or as present as the book was and uh, I read something where he when he interviewed Steve Martin I, I believe it's in the book but I can't remember he interviewed Steve Martin uh this is when Steve Martin was was Steve Martin the most famous stand-up comedian in the world, like selling out every like huge, huge venues. And um, Judd Apatow at the end of the interview asked him for an autograph, and Steve Martin said, "I don't, I don't give autographs uh, in my home." And Judd Apatow left, and then wrote him like a really angry letter, and was like cursing him out. Right. <laughs> so Steve Martin sends him a um, sends him a a copy of of a book he had just 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 wrote. Um, and in the inscription, he wrote, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that I was talking to that Judd Apatow. <laughs> that was so, so hilarious. Steve Martin's a guy who everyone has stories of him doing hilarious stuff, but his stand-up yeah. sucks and all his movies suck. <laughs> and, and all his like, books and plays, are, they're, all not, they're all not funny. It, it's insane. I don't know. I disagree. <laughs> what, what's a good, what, what are his movies? Plays, trains, and automobiles. It's great. Oh, uh, yeah, it is a good movie. That's right. That's not good. Uh, Father of the Bride. I thought he was good. I, I like those I, movies. I've never, seen, I've never seen Parenthood really or Father good. of the Bride, so maybe I shouldn't be judging him. I'm basing this on, like, Shop Girl and uh, uh, what are the movies with all the kids? Cheaper by the Dozen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, that is that is Judd Apatow. And, um, that is Judd Apatow. There's just, just, there's, we could do... 10 hours on this guy because there's yeah. just so much he's done and mm-hmm. he's only he's only 51 um get back in that director's chair judd yeah do it sir all right well we're already at about four hours you got a you got a recommendation for anything Ugh. i don't have Can one you go first. um i will i will recommend uh i'm gonna recommend uh watch it on on halloween a couple couple weeks back a uh, paranormal activity uh doesn't necessarily provide the same scares that it does in uh in um the yeah. theater, but yeah, uh, I remember seeing it. Still, in the theater. Yeah, it was, it was, I was creep, so good. creeped out. Uh, still creepy, and it was really a, a a a different entry into the the horror film genre. I like it. I, I kind of like all those movies. Yeah, my my horror horror film like likes are found footage and like what what do they call like Hostel and like Saw? Like those <laughs> movies. Just, 
brutality. Yeah, it's like the, <laughs> it's like horrible, like just gore fest movies. Those, those are the horrors I torture like. Torture porn. Yeah, exactly. That, that's right up my alley. I, I don't go for like the Freddy oh, Kruegers and the Michael Myers and that stuff. You see that by the way, the new Michael Myers Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah, What's that'll be my recommendation. Perfect. It's, it's uh, it is pretty good. The last twenty minutes are like heart pounding nail biter really yeah Who, david gordon green directed david that? gordon green yeah well there you go danny mcbride wrote i believe or produced he wrote it right yeah. is yep. he in it he's not in it there's like a there's podcasters in it right isn't that like part of it who isn't there a podcast in the like within the movie i don't know didn't you say it i did i don't remember that i thought that there like the thing was there am i getting the wrong movie like there was you're thinking are you thinking of Tosk? No. <laughs> something to do a podcast in that. <laughs> yeah. It's called, uh, what's their podcast called in that? It's called something like, um, <laughs> oh God, it's called, uh, it's something like that, uh, the not see podcast. Cause like, yeah, they oh, yeah, yeah. do something yeah. where they don't see. Mm-hmm. I forget what it is. Yeah. I, I thought that we, quickly, what is the, I thought that Halloween was like, there were podcasters doing like a serial type thing about Michael Myers. No, I wouldn't remember oh, that. What the, what the, H was I thinking of? There's, there's like reporters in the beginning, trying to like get audio of Michael talking. No, maybe that's what it was. It would have been cool. Oh, you know, yeah, maybe maybe they reference that they're trying to do one, but they don't. All right, gotcha. It was like it wasn't a review of the movie. It was like, or or maybe I think yeah, I think they're journalists, and Jamie Lee Curtis is like put that in your little podcast or whatever. (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) that might have been it. JLC. She's a badass in this. She's she was so good. Do you do do you recall the first one, the first Halloween? Yeah, because I watched it. Oh, okay, for the first time. What, what which days pre- before? Which you prefer? Oh, for the first time. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it a couple times. I, I, so really, I was, I really th- I was thinking like people who like loved it in the seventies had to like wait all this time for it, and I <laughs> I got the full effect in like three days. Well, there's like eight other ones. Um, which one do you prefer? Uh, I really like the new one. All right, but you need to see the first one though. Yeah. 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 Well, wait wait a year and then you can watch the Halloweens. Because <laughs> those are seasonal movies. Yep. That's all, all right. I got. Wrap it up. Put a bow on it. Yep. We have a topic for next time to be determined. Mm-hmm. Lewin Davis. Wait, what was the one? What did what did we say that we should do an episode for? Lebowski? Just, I mean, I guess I can just go back and listen to this episode. No, 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 now it's going to drive me nuts. Um... <laughs> Yeah, like, we should do an episode on that. And I was like, yes. No, I what can't remember. It? it wasn't Lebowski. I know he God, referenced I to, that. Now I have to listen to this episode. Oh, God. my voice. All right. All right. We'll figure it out. Yep. Uh, Instagram at Talking Picture Talk. That's all we got for you right now. See you next week. Next three weeks. Now we're going to try and do try and do a follow-up soon. In time. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.